Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on bucks. Your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks, brought to you by SeatGeek. You can go to SeatGeek today and use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S, that's Locked On Bucks, or L-O Bucks, and that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. I'm Eric Name, and as always, I have Frank Madden alongside me, and if you if you are listening to us and don't have our Twitter feeds, I'm at Eric underscore Name, that's N as in Nancy, E-H, M as in Mary, and Frank is at F Madden NBA. Again, someone told me last week that we don't, we never give out our, like, they, we never give out our Twitter handles, and I thought it was a strange thing, because it's like, how would you find us if you didn't, like, how would you find the podcast if you didn't know about us on Twitter? But maybe there's other people telling them. So if you want to find us on Twitter, that's where we'll be at. Frank, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I got a hankering for some more basketball after a couple off days for the Bucks here. So uh, looking forward to the Bucks and Heat. And last time the Bucks played on a Friday night, eh, it didn't go so well, but... <laughs> Uh, against a Miami Heat team that will theoretically be starting uh, someone named Rodney Magruder, as well as that's a K State legend. You watch your mouth, <laughs> as well as Luke Babbitt. Um, this is a game the Bucks should win and need to win. And um, I, I don't know. Am I calling the Giannis must win? Uh, <laughs> you can go for it. it. I'm, I'm down implementing with it. the must win doctrine that that Giannis seems to uh, apply. For every winnable game, um, but yeah, I, I'd say this is obviously a game you, you especially after beating the Spurs and uh, surprising a lot of people on Tuesday. Um, Giannis is uh, apparently going to be healthy and back. He went through practice today, and um, obviously that's a great thing to hear. I guess the the strange thing is, I'm cool with you calling it a must win. Uh, I think Giannis would approve and say that this is a game the Bucks should win, um, and. It's just weird to think that this Heat team gave the Bucks their worst performance of the year. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that they they lose 96 to 73 uh, in the first matchup they had against the Heat this season, and it was bad. <laughs> There's really no way around it. Thursday, November 17th, um, was that a back to? I'm trying to think if that was a back to back. Yes, it was a back to back. Uh, it was. It was right after they lost uh, to the Hawks in Atlanta. Yep, that was it. So back to back, but God, they played terrible. Uh, they they looked absolutely awful in that game. Giannis, I would. I think his worst game of the season, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, 5 of 15 from the field. He only goes to the free throw line 5 times. He's 0 of 2 from 3. He's a minus 20. Uh, was not a good night for Giannis. And Jabari, uh, even though he started off hot and had a had a cool highlight in that game, the little wraparound behind the back, Euro step dunk, uh, 
11 points for him, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 of 20 from the field, 1 of 6 from the 3-point line, and a minus 23. So I, I, I feel pretty confident saying that was the Bucks' worst game of the season. So though I want to say, you know what, they're going to go out and they're going to dominate a team that's starting Goran Dragic, Deion Waiters, Rodney Magruder, Luke Babbitt, and Hassan Whiteside, I, I would have thought they would have dominated the Heat the first time they played them. So is there something to that matchup, or was that just a bad night and we should expect much better this time around? Well, I, I think, first off, I mean, we can be a little clearer that it was the Bucks' worst half of the season, right? Because I yeah. think it was, t- I want to say tied, or the Bucks may have even been winning it at half. Um, and then the Bucks scored a whopping 25 points in the second half. Yeah, um, it was a and, four, and so, 48-48 at the half. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, first half, whatever, wasn't, you know, phenomenal, but they were right there and off, off a back-to-back in Atlanta where uh, they were losing by a, a large amount, came back, um, and, you know, I think people may remember that was when it might have been the first time we really saw the Bucks go with that small ball lineup, yep. helped get them back into the game with Mirza Toledovic. Um and, you know, an early season theme was the Bucks struggling on back-to-backs. Um, they've had a little bit more luck uh, of late with those, but uh, that was certainly a very bad one. They, they had a very bad performance in Dallas on a back-to-back, but even though they didn't score points in that Dallas game, they at least, you know, went to overtime and, you know, played a little bit of defense. This game um, just got hideous in the second half. Yeah. So I would say definitely the Bucks' worst half of the season. And, um, you know, looking at this roster, I mean, you know, losing Chris Bosh uh, sort of before the season even started, that obviously Charlotte changed the fundamental. Um, but I would say looking at them now, they've lost Justice Winslow. Uh, Josh Richardson is out right now. Uh, this is a team that, you know, has has some interesting young pieces, but, you know, doesn't really have any young stars. And, and obviously with Goran Dragic and, and Hassan Whiteside as their theoretical remaining centerpieces, um, this is a team at 11 and 29 that, that seems ripe for the lottery. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know why you'd hang on to Goran Dragic if you can get, you know, first round pick slash young players for him at this point. Yeah, and I would assume. I mean, I think everyone's kind of waiting for the the trade market to to explode. I don't think uh, the Kyle Korver move was was that uh, was that explosion domino piece, whatever you may say may want to say. But I do think a lot of people think the Heat will be kind of the people that kick it off. And everyone said this was a, a tanking year for Pat Riley, or at least he would try to do it kind of in a sneaky way, and then. Bosch didn't play, Winslow went out, and they were already bad before that, but it, things could get even worse. Uh, or they could, Yeah, it could get worse in Miami uh, than it is right now. So I, I think that's about it for the, this, this preview because there's not much to say. The Heat are a bad basketball team. Um, offensive rating of 29. Their defensive rating is 13th. Uh, so the Bucks may have to work a little bit. And like you said, uh, I think before we started recording, Deion Waiters, oddly enough, gave Giannis a lot of trouble in that first meeting. Uh, so you would hope that isn't the same case here, but it's not a very good basketball team. So this, this is a team the Bucks should beat, and I guess that might be a bit of a, a statement for them that they're kind of through messing around with with crummy teams and they're not going to let those they're not going to play down to their competition they're just going to take care of business and we'll see if they if they do that on friday and you can see if they do that on friday by going to our good friends at SeatGeek, and you can check out 
all of the tickets they have. Frank, what does what does the bowl look like? Am I seeing a lot of green dots? The big, large green dots that would tell me about a great deal, or am I seeing some red dots, some orange dots, some yellow dots? What do you got? I would say not as many green dots as you would expect for a team against you know playing against a, a bad opponent. Um, it looks like it's that Giannis Bobble baby first five thousand. It's Giannis Bobble baby. Um, you know, looks like you can get in the upper deck for twenty twenty bucks or so. Um, lower bowl, a bit more expensive, especially like if you're trying to get to you know dead center mid court. There's don't appear to be any good deals there, but other green sort of around the bowl. So if you're willing to go into the end zones, um, seems like some good deals to be had. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. They had a, a you know a big crowd for the Knicks game a week ago. Uh, didn't go the way we hoped. Um, <laughs> we'll see against a lesser heat team um unless the like heat bandwagon fans just like didn't realize that lebron left they're probably <laughs> they're probably still a few of those around um you'll have to keep an eye God, out for how many, if they how pull many out the bandwagon if they pull out the bandwagon cam for heat fans that would be the most depressing thing i've ever seen like if there's would... if there was actually a guy in a lebron jersey at the bc and they threw the bandwagon cam out, like i'd probably go give the guy a hug like that's just tough slut Shout out to any Heat fan still wearing a LeBron jersey. That's uh, that's <laughs> you know, if you're going if you're going to watch the Heat at 11 and 29 with you know a mash unit of guys play uh, in Milwaukee, then uh, you know I I'm sorry that I questioned your fandom uh, back during the <laughs> LeBron days because you're clearly a diehard. Um, but uh, but yeah, hopefully a good crowd uh, and more importantly, hopefully the Bucks. Um, come out and and uh, set right uh the the indiscretions of the of last weekend and and obviously hopefully they get back on a winning track because at 11 and 9 you know as I, I think i mentioned earlier this week their winning percentage at this point is slightly off of where they were a year ago as well as the year before when they were 23 and 18 the past two seasons so um you know come on bucks You're, you've gotten a lot better on the road i think they're what uh eight and nine on the on the road now um which they're two wins away from matching last season's uh, road wins. <laughs> they were 10 and 31 <laughs> a year ago, and they're 8 and 9. So that's definitely encouraging. But they're also, I think, 10th. They have the 10th best um, home winning percentage in the East. So um, they definitely can, can get better in that regard. And uh, hopefully they, they start to do that on Friday night. And, and, like, and like Frank said, on Friday night, you can check it out at the BC. You can. Do that with our good friends from SeatGeek. And you're probably saying to yourself, oh, there's no good deals out there. Maybe I can go find a better deal elsewhere. Well, no, you can't because SeatGeek has the best deals. They search all the other websites for you, and they find the best deals for you. And like always, if you want to get a good deal on that, uh, you can go one to SeatGeek. And then if you want to get a $20 rebate on your first purchase, go to SeatGeek. Head into the settings tab, go to enter a promo code, enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks, and that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first purchase at SeatGeek. So do that today, and if you, again, if you've already used it, we'll just go to SeatGeek anyways because you're going to get a great deal uh, no matter where you're looking because it'll tell you exactly on the screen. Um, I think, Frank, I think we're done previewing that game, and I think that means we can get into the second part of this mailbag. What do you think? mailbag it all right let's do this so on the topic the other night uh, a couple questions regarding thon who who did surprisingly play a role in the win in san antonio uh troy jones asked doesn't kid deserve credit for going to thon as a jolt of energy last night when it looked like they were toast 
And Alexander Juno asks, how far is Thon from reaching the point where he should get about six minutes per game? Um, well, we talked last night as you were busy being not fun uh, <laughs> about Thon a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I still kind of see. I watched the game yesterday on, on delay. I watched it after I knew the result. I was out at dinner. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't I, I knew the Bucks had won the game. So my, my sense of like the momentum and, and how things change, you know, when Thon played, um, you know, he came in and he scored five points and kind of ran around a little bit and you know I, I think they were a positive in that span but um I, I don't know I'm not sure I'm gonna give kid any credit for that I think it was kind of just a random sort of like you know kind of like when he did that in Toronto was like I was gonna oh. say we've seen him do that as a as I'm not gonna say a white flag in the second quarter but certainly uh good god nothing is going right tonight Thon what do you got um so I I didn't I didn't see it as a as a jolt of energy and Thon coming in and doing that, I just thought saw it as well. Nothing else is really working. Plumley's whatever, Henson's whatever. Let's let's throw him in there and see what he can do. But I, I know before the game, uh, or I should say after the game, Thon mentioned that before the game during shoot around, they said that he's gonna get a heavier load tonight. Um, so that was that was a bit surprising to me that. That was something that was said to him before the game. Um, I don't necessarily think I would have thought that uh, watching the game that, oh, Thon was prepared and knew that he was going to be coming in for this. So uh, to talk about June's uh, question a little bit, maybe he is getting closer to to getting a little bit more consistent run. Um, I don't necessarily know that he's all that close. Uh, Obviously, we've mentioned his quick trigger from the three-point line, which is awesome, Um, but defensively he's he's quite lost um and offensively i'd say he's pretty lost as well uh, if he's not standing behind the three-point line open he's still trying to figure out where to go how to move um so i don't know if we're getting any closer um but like i said the, it, it was strange that Thon, i thought it was strange that thon said before the game that he was told he was going to get some run last night yeah i mean i think we're we're going to get closer just because every day is, is, you know, a day where he learns a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, again, he's, he's playing power forward and, um, the bucks have a lot of guys who have, uh, you know, a claim on power forward minutes, including Michael Beasley, um, as well as Mirza Toledovich, who's kind of been, you know, more meh for, for a little while now. But, um, you know, when you start with Giannis and Jabari playing those positions, uh, it doesn't leave that much, that much extra time, you know, to play power forward. So, um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, six minutes is kind of a weird, it's kind of hard. I mean, you don't normally see guys get regular rotation minutes for six minutes. Um, you know, typically I think you're closer to like 10 minutes, you know, you get like a five minute run maybe into in both halves or something like that. I mean, finding just six minutes every game is, is a pretty kind of, you know, random number. Um, and I think most, most coaches probably prefer to do something a bit more, you know, consistent and let a guy get into a flow a little bit. But, um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, I think it, it's still similar. I think we need to see a trade um, or, or you know, injuries to, to some of the big guys um, if we're going to expect to see Thon with, with any more regularity. But, you know, again, it's always good to see him kind of come in and um, be able to, you know, even if he looks frantic and lost or whatever, um, the mere fact that he can come in and, and do anything and, and not be afraid of the moment. I mean, that's, that is a, uh, certainly a positive, uh, next up 
looking at some big picture kind of stuff related to the future of the team, uh, Aaron Sontag asked, with future cap space being almost non-existent, is it a good slash bad idea to lock up guys like Monroe, Snell, or even Bees? I believe he's referring to Beezus Christ. Um, <laughs> so Beezus Christ know. superstar, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we've talked a bit about uh, the Bucks cap situation. I mean, I think the, the long and short of it is, you know, again, using the kind of current salary cap numbers that are out there, um, you know, there's not going to be a lot of cap flexibility the next few years unless you really can shed some some of the contracts the Bucks have, like the, you know, the Plumley Henson, Deli, Toledovich, deals like that. And you probably need to shed two of them to really have anything more than the mid-level exception. But the upside is that even if you are over the cap, you do have the mid-level exception to work with, and that is becoming... Um, that will be a bigger number uh, moving forward, and um, there will be probably fewer teams with cap space moving forward as opposed to the last couple of years. So um, it's a better tool sort of at team's disposal. On the flip side, uh, you know, we'll see how the cap evolves. Hopefully it will ex- go up more than expected um, because, you know, the luxury tax and some of those things I think become concerns if you're trying to lock up all your guys and go out and spend um, you know, $9 million with the mid-level exception or wherever it ends up being. So, um, so I don't know, in, in the context of that, Eric, I mean, what, what's your thought? I mean, especially on Greg Monroe, I think, um, when Ben Thompson was on with us a, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, Ben mentioned that, you know, he, he would be in favor of Monroe opting out or, or staying the extra year. And then, and then the Bucks trying to resign him for, you know, whatever it is at that point, probably not the same level he's at now, but, but maybe for, you know, plumly type money or something like that for, you know, three years maybe. As much as I love the way Greg Monroe is playing right now, as much as I've written about this being the best basketball he's ever played in his life, I do obviously notice that this is in a contract year of sorts. Um, I do wonder if this is if this is Greg Monroe going forward, or if this is Greg Monroe trying to showcase himself and and get paid. Um, obviously. I think that's always a concern with guys in the final year of their deal. And, well, all three of those guys, Monroe, Snell, and, I mean, Beasley's kind of a weird situation, but still, all of them are essentially playing for their next contract this year. Um, That's a a bit of an incentive for all of them. Um, Not saying that they're not driven to be winners and be the best basketball players possible, just saying that, that is that is something that I'm very aware of. Um, Monroe long term. Oh wow, that's brutal. Um, I guess if he's if he's down to be the bench guy, if he's down for 25 minutes a night, because I, I don't I don't think you want to cap out um, the talent that you may be able to receive. I know they are at the center position or you, the, the talent that you may be able to acquire at the center position. I know the bucks have kind of shot themselves in the foot on that one, um, with those other two guys. Um, but if he wants to be a bench guy, maybe I could see bringing him back. Um, I don't know. It's just hard to see him being your other biggish contract. Um, moving on to Snell or Beasley, could they sign both Frank? So you'd have to put what, like Beasley on the mid-level and then Snell re-sign, and then maybe you could still find your way not to get way too close to the luxury tax? Or what What would the scenario be with those two guys? Well, I don't, I mean, you can't keep both of those guys paying them, you know, close to 
you know, if it's eight, nine million bucks a year, I mean, you're not going to keep both those guys. I just don't think there are enough minutes, especially with pre- presumably Chris Middleton coming back. Um, so and I apologize. There's a, there's some police activity going on here in downtown Dallas. Um, I don't think they're after me if you can hear the sirens, but, um, but I think you, I mean, I think effectively you have to choose there, um, because right now you're paying both those guys combined, uh, under $4 million. Yep. So, you only have so much, you know, dry powder from, from a, a financial perspective. And I think it'll be really interesting. We talked before the season about, you know, not knowing what Tony Snell was going to do, what would be a good number for Tony Snell, um, in terms of a contract. And I think at the time we thought like six, seven million, like, would you go 8 million at that point, not knowing how he was going to fit in? Um, and I'm sure his agent will make the case that he's worth that kind of money because of his defense and, you know, his shooting has come around a bit. He's at 34.5% from three. Um, I think he's shooting, I mean, he's shooting above his career average from the field overall um, because his, I think his two-point percentage has gone way up this year, even though he doesn't take a lot of twos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his true shooting percentage is 56% this year. It's a career high. Um, you know, he doesn't really do much else other than play defense, but that's what the Bucks want. But bottom line, um, you know, if you have Chris Middleton getting – 33 to 35 minutes per game. You have Jabari Parker getting those minutes. You have Giannis getting those minutes. Um, the number, you know, the amount of swingman minutes just is not that high. And I think, you know, you, you have to be realistic. And, you know, for me, I think you'd pick either Tony Snell or Michael Beasley. And, you know, personally, I'd probably pick Snell just because, um, he's more of a two, three. And I think you need that more than, um, a three, four, like Beasley, especially with Vladovich around. I want a hundred percent agree. Frank Snell would be the one I would choose between the two. Um, I mean, if you can get Beasley for, you know, again, Beasley is a guy who could be available for $2 million, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be, I would be fully on board with that, even though also, I think you also have to factor in sort of Thon and is he going to play, is Thon going to play some power forward minutes? next year then you probably also want to factor that into signing a guy like Beasley. yeah i mean really it's going to be do both of those guys believe that they've found a home here in milwaukee do they believe that this is the place they want to continue to play and continue their career and if they feel strongly about it are they willing to maybe pay or get paid a little bit less and i but like i said if i have to choose one if beasley continues to kind of have a a breakout season and play well on both ends of the floor. He might end up getting paid more. So, um, yeah, Snell would be the one I would choose out of all those. And obviously you can do some, you can do some interesting things with Snell. Um, and I guess with Beasley, he's, a uh, he, if, if Middleton was around, Beasley isn't really necessary. Like he's he's a flawed creator in a year that you need more creators because Chris Middleton is gone. And once Chris Middleton comes back, you don't really need those creation skills as much. So Beasley can probably move on. As, as sad as that makes me to say now that Bees has found a home and you're calling him Beezus Christ and everyone loves him. Um, but yeah, he would probably need to move on. Yeah, and it, but who knows? I mean, he he's one of those guys who, given his history, um, I mean, he was super efficient last year as well, and obviously there wasn't much yeah. of a market for him. So, um, I think that it's it's definitely an interesting situation. He, he might just be a guy who's always who's always going to be you know relatively cheap, and teams aren't going to want to you know commit long term dollars to him. He's also twenty eight. Uh, Snell's twenty five. You know, so I think that figures in as well. Snell sort of fits your 
you know, his prime will match up pretty well to the prime of the Bucks over the next, you know, three, four, five years. So, um, so I think he's a, a nice piece there. Um, what is the next question? Let's hit all four of these Jabari questions. Okay. Um, so we'll start, I'm going to, we'll read them all off and then we'll kind of touch, try to touch on all these things. So Elijah Price at David Dunn 21, who made a wonderful remix of, uh, the the hamilton highlight package i made he made a video for it um you can check him out he's our good friend at uh titonia world um he makes a bunch of bucks videos that are always funny and cool and awesome so check him out there um he asks seen as how Giannis has reached the next level shouldn't the only all caps true goal of 27 be empowering big shot bari um, the next one from Jabari's journal, can Jabari be the second best player on a championship team? Will returning Chris help him hide on D? Yeah, and then Chris Jones asked, have you guys seen any improvement in Jabari's defense slash defensive awareness? Unrelated, how awesome is Giannis? Uh, and Trent Mills asks, in, on, the season's form, on this season's form, who is Jabari's most accurate comp? Um, I don't know. Pick, 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 pick one of those angles, Eric, and, and give me your, your thoughts. Um, let's start with Elijah, Elijah Price's question. Um, seeing as though Giannis has reached next level, shouldn't the only true goal of 2017 be empowering Big Shot Bari? Well, no. Um, <laughs> I, I just I think Giannis has, has jumped over him. And like you said, he's and like the question posits, he's reached the next level. But I don't truly believe he's reached the next level until the clutch situation gets figured out and maybe that means you do need to empower Jabari more and get him more involved in the fourth quarter and maybe that helps the team as a whole um so maybe the the question or or maybe the answer there is yes but I I mean I I think you you want to see the team figure out the clutch situation and I think Giannis would be the guy who uh you want to see the ball in his hands a lot of the time and Jabari too but um I guess I, I don't have a great answer for that. The only true goal is, is I mean, it's a, a loaded question in, in some sort, but uh, the clutch situation is what I want to figure out. So if that means Jabari needs to get more touches, that's great. If that means Giannis needs to continue to work through what he's doing and not take step back jumpers against Ron Baker, okay, then get Giannis the touches. Um, but I, I don't think it, it should be prioritized prioritize that Jabari needs to get shots and Jabari should be leading the team in points and stuff like that. They're going to have to play together. So let's figure out how they're going to play together. Yeah. I think for me with, with Jabari, I mean, I don't, I mean, as much as Giannis sort of has arrived, I I want Giannis to keep getting better. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm being greedy, but he's 22. I want to keep finding, I want to keep, you know, sort of banging on the, the ceiling to see how, how, how high Giannis can go. Um, and and pushing that even further, and you know, if um, I think with Middleton, I mean, they won't need him to score as much, probably, but um, but screw it, you know, if he can add a three point shot, can he be a 25, 26 point per game scorer? Yeah. I don't know, maybe, you know, especially if he plays um, more minutes. I mean, he hasn't played tons of minutes thus far this season, and for like a star type player. Um, so I think I think it'll be interesting to kind of watch going forward. But yeah, I mean, Jabari is obviously the other guy, and we'll see. Uh, he's got, you know, I think um, a, a bigger leap that, you know, hopefully he can still take. I think, you know, fundamentally his ceiling, especially defensively, just isn't, you know, isn't at the point where Giannis is, yep. obviously. But um, but 
again, hopefully Jabari can can become even more dynamic offensively. We've seen, especially um, as a three-point shooter, up to 41% now. Um, I mean, if we'd been told that, uh, you know, for the season, we all obviously would have been would have been thrilled. So Jabari making really good progress as well. And and I think um, on the question about his defense, I mean, I think he's gotten better defensively. Um, you know, I think the problem is consistency, and I think he just has some kind of fundamental innate challenges and problems with um, defensive awareness. And I think he also has some limitations, you know, and we're spoiled with Giannis, but, you know, he just can't, he, he's just never shown any ability to really be like, like he doesn't challenge shots at the rim, you know, no. as much as he's really athletic and he's, he's physically big. Um, he's not that long uh, or not, you know, above, he doesn't have above average length and he just doesn't, just doesn't have that like instinct that like kind of, I mean, he, he has quick hops on the offensive side, but it just doesn't manifest itself on the defensive side. On the, however, I will say, I think his lateral quickness and ability to keep smaller players in front of him um, for, you know, two, three, four second periods um, has made him much more valuable defensively. And, and the fact that they've been able to hide him on the ball with, you know, a fair bit of regularity is um, is definitely a big positive for him. I think... You know, from a, a re, you know defensive rebounding, obviously, would be nice if he could improve there. He's still pretty underwhelming there. Although, I think part of that is also because he's he's defensively a small forward at this point. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're a small forward, the bar for for rebounding is lower. And and Giannis obviously rebounds like a power forward at this point. So, um, so that's a, certainly part of it as well. I think the Bucks have really this. I think last year they were more experimenting with it where it was, okay, let's put Jabari on the best player on the other team. And, I mean, that would lead to big nights from the other team's best player. And and I think this year Jabari has continued to kind of improve on ball, and the Bucks aren't experimenting with that idea anymore. It's, all right, Jabari, you get the best player on the floor that's in your size range. Like they're not going to put him on a point guard and they're probably not going to put him in a power four, like against power four. But if it's a wing, like any playmaking wing, that's your guy, Jabari. And I think to an extent he's embraced that. And I do think on ball, his effort has been better this year. And, and I think that helps out uh, quite a bit that one, the bucks have embraced it. And two, Jabari has embraced that. Um, and, I would also say I think not to the extent that Greg Monroe has had it, but uh, there is some value in finding steals, um, and Jabari's done a little bit better job of that, I would say, in the last month or so, that when teams are trying to throw skip passes, when teams throw lazy passes, he's getting into the passing lane, and obviously that's a problem sometimes because Jabari doesn't have maybe the best defensive instincts, so he misses some of those balls and obviously puts himself out of position, but um, juicing up his steal numbers can kind of help uh, cover the fact that maybe he's, he's not the best defender. So I guess overall that, that is improvement that he's more focused on the ball and the bucks are really embracing that Um, off ball. I think it's still pretty much a disaster, Um, but I mean, that's that's an improvement. It's the same thing I said last year with Job. That if you're going from terrible to slightly less terrible, it's still an improvement. And I don't even think it's it's that bad for Jabari. I, I think he he has really kind of found a way to try to 
work hard and do a nice job on ball and and that that has really helped him out um as far as a comp for jambari oh i hate making comps i'm really bad at it um what what's it what what are the the two go-tos mallow and paul pierce uh sure he's he's mallow mixed with paul pierce i don't know i'm bad at it what do you have anything good there (laughs) Uh, I, I mean, I'll just say this. I think the, the upside is that if you look at his production um, in his age 21 season relative to guys like those guys, I mean, I think Paul Pierce was either a rookie or maybe even still in college when he was 21. Um, but if you look at what he's, you know, the level he's producing at given his age and compare that to guys like Carmelo, um, you know, guys like Big Dog, who, you know, we, we heard comparisons to in Milwaukee. Um, he is, you know, he's, he's right there or even better than, than a lot of those guys. Um, you know, Carmelo didn't have anywhere close to this type of three point shot when he was, um, when he was, you know, this age. Right. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm just going to check a quick peek. I don't know if Carmelo's ever shot over 41% from uh three point range in a season. Um, he had one, looked like he had, he had one year where he was 42%. I was going to say that almost MVP or that the, was it that year that he was like in New York and shooting a lot of wing threes maybe, or am I thinking of that wrong? Um, it was his first, Oh, that, sorry. First one was only his like first partial season in New York. So that doesn't really count. Um, in 2013, 14, he shot 40.2%, uh, 27 points a game, eight boards, three assists. I mean, yeah. he had a monster year that year. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Cause like you look at, you look at Mello's numbers, um, and in his second season in the NBA, he put up, 20.8 points, 5.7 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 0.4 blocks, 0.9 steals, um, shot 43% from the field. Uh, you know, you get the idea. I mean, Jabari's kind of raw stats are basically right there, but his efficiency numbers are better. His true shooting is way higher. Um, you know, he's, he's a, I think you can say he's a better player than in his third year now. You can maybe give him credit for the, you know, the injury year. Um, I would say Jabari is better um, as as a third-year player than Carmelo was as a second-year player. Yeah. Um, and then Carmelo made a leap in his third year to 26.5 points a game um, and didn't rebound at all, weirdly. He became a better rebounder over his career. But, um, but you know, he didn't shoot above 32% from three until his fifth season. He was under 30% his second through fourth season. So it's interesting. We compare him to Melo. I don't know if he's, you know, he's bouncier than Melo. He's maybe not as as skilled and savvy as cer- certainly veteran Mello came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much of a ball stopper, um, but I think uh, I think in a lot of other ways um, he's right there, or, or maybe even past Carmelo. You know, certainly from a, a jump shot perspective. So all all very good things. For the last month, I've been upset with myself pretty much after every episode of Locked On that we just don't talk about Jabari enough. And I, I feel bad that we always end up pushing him down, but man, it, he just fills it up for quarters one through three. And then down the stretch, he's not quite as involved. And like I said, the, the fourth quarter in, in crunch time is, is kind of what I'm most concerned about, worried about what I want to see improve most. And I mentioned it on the, the Eastern Conference preview that we'll do. I don't know if it's come out yet with uh, Locked on NBA with David Locke, but we go team by team, and and that was the thing I highlighted: figuring out crunch time. And I, I think that's a, a big part of it for Jabari too. Um, 
he scores a lot of his points in the first three quarters, and then in the fourth, it's it's not quite as uh, not, he's not quite as potent, and I don't think he gets as many touches. So that that's the thing that I'm worried about. But I'm also just disappointed in myself that we don't talk about Jabari enough. Yeah, and I think in the context of the other question, can can Jabari be the second best player on a championship team? Well, I mean, we maybe have kind of answered the question a little bit because we're comparing him to a guy like Mello and saying, you know, he's he's trending sort of in a comparable direction from a an early season early career arc perspective and you know could Melo have been the second best player on a championship team i i would say so yeah. um you know i think um you know i think the question is does having jabari as your second best player does that prevent you from maybe having a different type of second banana that maybe better complements Giannis? and again i i think they can i think they can play together i'm not worried about that yeah. um but, you know, would you be better off having, you know, a dominant rim-protecting big man or, you know, uh, a superstar guard, right, if, if you don't think Chris Middleton is, is good enough, right? I'm not saying Chris Middleton's a superstar, but, um, but it, it's an interesting question. But I, I, think, I think it's possible. I'll say that. I, I was going to say, but we, when we had the big – when we were a part of the great Jabari debate, I think both of us said, look, we have no problems giving him that – Again, we're not. Hopefully, it's a near max, like around the the Giannis level. But I have no problems giving him that money, and and I think not having a problem doing that, not having a problem signing him up to that guaranteed money, says that yeah, I think he can be the second best player in a championship team. May does that team maybe need some some other very potent? specialized weapons in three in the three through five spots yeah maybe um but i think he can be the second best player in a championship team yeah i mean he's 21 so you know yeah he's not fully formed um moving on um all the bucks asked has Giannis shown enough leadership traits to carry the bucks to contention as the unquestionable number one so we we've debated jabari at number two and i think come away saying jabari could be the number two on a on a great contending team um, to me, this is an easier question. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily have to go into much more detail. But yeah, I think he has. Uh, if if I'm going to sit here and talk about him as one of the top ten players in the league and argue for him to be maybe one of the top five players in the league and an MVP candidate, yeah, I think he's shown enough leadership. He he does it defensively. He does it offensively. He gets teammates involved. I mean, he made sure that we talked about Tony Snell the other week, and it, I, I think there there's more than enough leadership. Obviously, I, I think at the start of the uh, at the start of his career, the the second language kind of stuff and kind of figuring out how to speak English and then how to properly communicate on the floor. I think that's something that he's still growing into. Um, but I think it's very, very much something that he knows is on his plate and wants on his plate. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really have any questions there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think from a, a personal standpoint, you know, just looking past his game, which I think this was getting at a little bit, I think, yeah, what's impressive about Giannis beyond all the stuff he can do on a basketball court is I think his teammates, you know, love playing with him. I think he's a guy that you want to play with if you're, you know, a role player. If you're a good player, I think you'd want to play with a guy like Giannis. I think his teammates like him, it seems like, personally. Yeah. Um, he has respect for them. I think he knows, you know, he's doing all the right stuff about bringing up his teammates when, you know, he's being congratulated on game winners and, 
you know, calling out guys who, who need, who need to be recognized and things like that. And, um, you know, we always talk about the old Spurs saying of, you know, you get three stars and then you find a group of guys who will go through a wall to, to win around them. And, um, I think you're seeing what this team is, is they have a lot of guys like that, you know, guys like Snell and, you know, Jason Terry, Della Vadova, Brogdon. I mean, those guys are more than happy to be role players and defer to Giannis as, as the number one guy. And I think, you know, you, it's not like you're in Washington where, you know, your top two players don't seem to like each other. And, you know, yeah. there's like jealousy or whatever. I don't think that there's any of that. I think Jabari's happy for Giannis. I think Giannis is, you know, invested in Jabari. And I think Middleton's happy to to be, I think he'll be, he'll be happy to be the third banana if, if that's, you know, kind of how things shake out. So, um, so yeah, I think Giannis is, is fine in that regard. We'll see, right? I mean, the, the real test will be um, as expectations come and can he, can he continue to improve? And, you know, like, like you mentioned with Jabari, can he be a late game crunch time guy? You know, can, can the guy we saw in New York uh, be the guy that we see um, more consistently late in games, making good decisions, hitting big shots, et cetera. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm certainly going to be an optimist on that, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a way to go. Um, let's see. I think we're getting towards the, the end of our list, but we do have our friend Mitchell Maurer, Shout out to Barub, um, with uh, the question of which is more important to the Bucks' success, steady production from stars or a deep bench? What say you, Eric? Stars. I've never had, as a Bucks fan, I've never had them really in my life, um, aside from the big three. Um, I, I guess to me, it doesn't matter how deep your bench is if you don't have stars. And I know the the Bucks team from two years ago really, really pushed hard, and bench was great, and I know I, it was injuries that kind of brought them down at the end of the season, but, you know... Were they really going to make noise in the playoffs? Probably not. They didn't have an actual star. So I, I think steady production from the stars. It, it, if you don't have those guys, you're just a, a cute team of tryhards. Um, and you're not really a, a, cha- a not, a, not even a championship contender. You're not even a conference finals contender. Um, if you just have a deep bench, that's that's good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go steady production from stars. Yeah, and so Mitchell wrote about... Um outlier production sort of looked game by game did a bunch of research it's very interesting um, yeah to to kind of get to this question so I'll, I'll retweet it um definitely give it a look um and i think for me yeah i mean it, i think having those guys night in night out you know what you're going to get um is is where you know is where again i mean historically obviously that that's how teams um have been very successful and um i think we've waited so long to have um, certainly a player like Giannis, but even Jabari, you know, it's it's been some time before we had a young guy like Jabari who who was scoring at, at with an efficiency and at a volume that that he is. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that that we're seeing both these guys um, making that leap kind of kind of at the same time. So I, I think the, the other thing too is I can go out and buy a bench. You know? <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Like, give me a mid level exception um, and some some pieces that I can trade and stuff like that. You know, you can cobble together a bench, and that is much easier to do than um, than finding those those consistent stars who bring it every night. And um, I think Jabari and Giannis have have made a lot more have a lot of made a lot of progress in, in going to be those hashtag true professionals that LeBron, <laughs> LeBron wanted. 
um, especially Giannis. Ironically, of course, he, he has the goose egg when he's sick uh, against the Spurs. But before that, I mean, remarkable consistency, especially as a scorer. Um, but also, I mean, few guys do as many things as he do as he does on a night-to-night basis. Arguably, no one does as more on a night-to-night basis than than Giannis has this year. So, um, so I think that's a, a definitely a positive thing there. Um, last one, last one from Adam. Adam ninety five. Um, will Milwaukee become a more attractive free agent destination with Giannis emerging as a top ten player? What say you, Frank? Uh, I think it will. I mean, again, it. You know, we talked about. Uh, in, in other part of the mailbag about uh, the fact that the Bucks are not going to have, you know, max cap space thing, just throw around and go searching for a star player. Um, so I, I don't think it's even in play to, to make that kind of move. Um, but can you use that middle of exception got, you know, a uh, slot to go after a um, veteran who's maybe more of a, you know, good role player rotation guy, uh, I think that's the kind of guy that not only financially do you have the flexibility to go after, but I think you also have um, a structure in place with two, you know, hopefully rising stars here uh, that will continue to get better. And you can get a guy like that to come in and, and kind of know his role, know how he fits in and buy into that. And, you know, you're not going to have issues where that guy's going to, you know, think, hey, I'm being t- paid $20 million. Like, you know, give me the ball. Right. Yeah. Um so I think I think they can attract that kind of talent. Um, I think certainly the team's generating a lot of positive buzz, and you know, again, it, it all starts with having those stars that that you can build around, and, and having role players who, uh, right now, are, are embracing I think those roles and, and playing well around them. Um, and obviously, you know, the intangible stuff with um, uh, I don't know if it's intangible. There, there is a physical arena being built um, as we <laughs> speak that, that will open uh, in the next couple of years. So that's that's really exciting. Um, you know, maybe that's a tiebreaker, but um, you know, ultimately, I think it all starts with with building that you know the the winning culture and and having star players that um, that you know are, are team players that play the right way. You know, all the the cliches that, that you can imagine, the Jason Kidd press conference cliches. Um, but I, I do think that you know the the core of this team is shaping up to be, I think, a team that that other guys would would want to play with, and that you know you could sell. You could sell guys on on joining. Yeah, I I would agree. I, I think again, I don't necessarily know that you need to become a destination because, like we've talked about with the Bucks cap, you're gonna have Giannis. You're gonna Giannis, are you gonna have Giannis just below a max? You're gonna have Jabari just below a max or at a max. You're gonna have Chris already on his deal. That it's not a destination in that oh can the bucks get the the third max star in here but i don't necessarily know that's a, that that's a that's a bad thing they they probably are going to be looking more for the guys that you were talking about and i think a place like this becomes way more attractive for you on on shorter deals you can come in play with Giannis for a year or two and then go get paid because you know what Giannis is going to make you look better on defense. Giannis is going to make you look better on offense, and it, everything's just going to be easy for you if you're playing with. If Middleton gets back, three guys that can create for themselves and Giannis, Middleton, Jabari, and can create for others, you look better as a player, and your life is easier, um, and you can if things go well, have a chance at being a, a contender. So, yeah, I think it's more of a free agent destination because of what Giannis is going to become and 
already has become to an extent and the same thing with Jabari and Middleton what those two become so yeah I I would definitely say it will be Um, I think Frank I don't know how we did it but I do think we hit all of our questions Um, unfortunately I can tell you right now this is the second part of our mailbag uh, because we, we definitely talked long enough that this is going to be a two-day thing, but that's fine. Uh, the Bucks will play the Miami Heat tonight in Milwaukee because uh, this is going to be on Friday. Uh, I believe it's Giannis Bobblehead night on Friday against the Heat, um, which if you want a Giannis Bobblehead, go out and uh, head to the game and, and get one. And you can do throw you can do so with our friends at SeatGeek. Uh, you can use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S uh, to get tickets on SeatGeek and go get your Giannis bobblehead and then get yourself a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So uh, that's going to be it for the mailbag. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you on Monday. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17